Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Tyler Cobble. I am your host on this here Commercial Real Estate Show. And today we are talking with the illustrious, the infamous, maybe just famous, Jordan Fife, uh, hotelier extraordinaire. Uh, so Jordan actually works with my development company, Hamilton. He has had a background in the hotel and hospitality industry for over 20 years. And he has worked on some pretty incredible projects. I'm really excited to dive into a few of the hotels that he has worked on um, over the years. But one of those being uh, Lorizon out in Palm Springs, which was actually number one on the Condé Nast Travelers list last year. Which, if you are not familiar with the hotel industry, that's basically the biggest magazine that you could get recognized by. Uh, so that's that's really uh, really impressive. You know, hospitality has gotten hit hard over the last year, but there is some, there are some pretty phenomenal investment opportunities uh, and commercial real estate opportunities in general with the hospitality industry. So I'm really excited to have that conversation today with Jordan Five. Jordan, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. First of all, killer intro. <laughs> I love that lead, and that was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here to be able to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, that was a that was a brief introduction. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How'd you uh, how'd you wind up here? You know, it's 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 the the beautiful thing is it's always a long and and twisted road to get where you, where you end up. Uh, I grew up in Palm Springs. Uh, you know, my father was the president of the Convention of Visitors Bureau uh, out there, so I grew up in tourism and lived and breathed it my entire life, you know, seeing a market that the number one industry is hospitality uh, and watching that develop over the years from, you know, the 1950s and 60s of Frank Sinatra to the Coachella that it is today. Yeah, I went off and uh, I was in the entertainment industry for quite a few years uh, with William Morris and working on large productions like Bride Wars, which I don't like to admit that freely because <laughs> it was uh, it, it, oh, come it was on, man, it was a blockbuster, right? Look, it was Chris Pratt's first major Hollywood movie, so uh, I, I'd like to take credit for that uh, on the side. Uh, but that was so exciting. basically, you gave um, Chris Pratt his start. I don't think I can say that publicly. <laughs> I can say that privately. Yeah, there we go. That's awesome, man. So, so talk to us, talk to us about hospitality. Like what was your, how did you get into the hotel industry? Sure. You know, as I mentioned, I, I kind of grew up with it, but being in the entertainment industry, you know, I was in there at a time when entourage was a thing and working for an agency, everyone wanted to be like Ari Emanuel uh, from the, uh, the, the show and it was like evil begets evil and I didn't yep. want that for my life you know I grew up loving hotels whether it was like a double tree or uh, a uh, you know Ritz Carlton or a quality and I just thought there was some romance in staying in properties so when I left I, I went to go work for Viceroy Hotel Group which at the time I thought was the the coolest luxury hotel company out there and I ran sales for uh, the group. It was a really uh, interesting dive into experience transitioning from, you know, selling my writer and, and director and actor clients to now selling a property, but it, it really was transferable. 
And that's where I got my teeth from there. I, I went to work with uh, Steve Herman, who, who was at the time the, the foremost interior and architectural designer in the world. He'd done the, uh, the glass pavilion in Santa Barbara, which was the first most viewed home in the entire world. And he wanted to do hotel projects and needed a hotel partner. So he and I got together. We, we did some properties, uh, the most famous being the Lorizon, which since 2017 has been listed as the number one hotel in the world, number one hotel in the U.S. And from there, I went out to develop my own hospitality company because at Lorizon, you know, we were getting rates twelve hundred to twenty thousand dollars a night on certain weekends and i think what i wanted to go improve was that you could do a property like that that had an equitable adr or spend for your clients it didn't have to be uh the most expensive hotel but providing the, the public with that same ethereal experience and so we started the national exchange hotel company with an investment from eastern real estate um, the key was to develop architecturally and historically significant properties in hidden gem American towns because we were very much an American brand. And what we wanted to do was we really wanted to showcase some of these beautiful towns, these beautiful hidden buildings that were still out there, but do it in a way that was approachable to, to a lot of Americans. So, you know, a lot of our properties, almost every single one of them has been on Condé Nast lists, Architecture Digest, you know, Hot Lists, Travel and Leisure, uh, you name it. And, and the whole goal has been creating profitable but experiential properties. So it's real, a retreat and a real challenge uh, for, for my career. Yeah, I love that. Um, so real quick, before we dive into any further questions, for those that are not as familiar with how hotel terminology works. Can you explain what ADR, RevPAR, some of those words mean? Because I'm sure we're going to be saying those throughout the rest of this interview. Sure. So, so your, your live and die by acronyms are your OCC, which is your occupancy, your ADR, which is your average daily, daily rate, and then your RevPAR, which is your average revenue spent. So ADR is what my what my average uh, rate that I'm charging per week per night uh, and what that average is Rempar is that's really kind of the be all end all number and that's your uh, your ADR may meet with your occupancy so your average rate um, based on your uh, average occupancy of your room so you can you'll find that a lot of places really push or a lot of investments really push a high ADR, which, hey, look, you can have a thousand dollar ADR, but if your occupancy is ten percent, it doesn't matter. Your rev par is is ten dollars a night, you know. So, um, so what you really want to look for is is your rev par in that, um, but your your ADR is going to be really pushed by your weekends. Yep. That makes sense. Okay, cool. So you said you had, uh, you know, early on you were working with Steve Herman, who is a, a world-renowned designer. Did you have an eye for design before you went to work with him? Because it seems to me like one of your biggest differentiators, right, has been how you design these hotels and your eye for something that will draw people. 
Sure. I, you know, I think that uh, it was really a blessing to be able to work with Steve that had a different aesthetic than I did. Uh, I'd been doing design for quite some time before that. Uh, that was really what I did on the side uh, for passion projects. Uh, I got to work on a, a lot of really interesting homes and I dealt with mid-century modernism. And my kind of dive was really into the double RL Americana sort of aesthetic. So it really forced me out of my comfort zone to work with him, who was such a prestigious modern designer and super luxury modern designer. So it was really about marrying kind of those two aesthetics and, and learning from from him. I mean, he had the the highest per square foot sale price out of any homes in Los Angeles and also in the entire country. So it's really interesting to hear and see what he was infusing into his properties versus the aesthetic that I had in mind. Um, and so then delving forward, it was about marrying some of uh, the beauty of what he'd been doing with the uh, the claim of what I'd been doing. So that was really, um, you know, an education uh, in, in itself. That's awesome. So, so this talk, uh, you know, obviously we want to dive into hotel investing 101. So basically a beginner's introduction to investing in hotels. I mean, hospitality is a hot topic, right? Because, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, everybody started freaking out. Hotels took a massive dip and then it came roaring back. I mean, all of these hedge funds set aside these massive hospitality funds um, and they're going after these, you know, what they thought would be struggling hotels. So everybody wants to learn about it. I mean, what, what is it like running a hotel? I mean, how does that, how, when you're looking at a deal, how do you even get started? What do you look for? I think it's changed so drastically in, in this past year. I, I've been developing properties for quite some time. And I think all of us were thinking and waiting for that dip to happen. I mean, it's been uh, sitting with hedge funds, sitting with investors and saying, okay, as soon as this knives, we're going to all take advantage of where, where the weak links are. And that didn't actually seem to happen. Uh, and it's actually come back even stronger in a lot of ways, especially if you have the right properties. What we've really been looking at is non double corridor, uh, hotel high rises. Those might be a great investment long-term for the real estate and for what they are. But when we're talking about travelers, we're talking about expectations. They want experiences. They've been cooped up for so long, but they also want to feel safe too. So they want areas that they can kind of spread out, that they can kind of traverse the area and have their individualized experiences. So when we look at those sort of things, we look at what has great bones, what's in a, uh, a, uh, a plus market or a tertiary market that we can grow business from. When I specifically look at it, I want to be within two hours of a major metropolitan area or within a major metropolitan area that kind of allows me a recession or COVID proof strategy. Because what we did find was during all of this, you know, I, I was with the Urban Cowboy Hotel and straight through COVID, we ended up selling out every single weekend because we had people that still wanted to get away. They still wanted to staycation or get out of their home. And as long as you can provide that experience, it was really excellent. And what we did when we were in Palm Springs was we did a lot of studies into 
what allows us to keep functioning, what allows us to keep moving, and this was during the 2008 depression crisis, how do we as tourism and tourism market officials create some backstops there? What we found was that it wasn't that people wanted to stop traveling, it's just that they wanted to stop traveling globally. What they did was they started traveling more locally. So if we can find a property that maybe is a little bit more spread out, that maybe is in need of uh, a, a capital influx or an ability to change the landscape uh, of the property and still be within driving distance from other drivers and markets, then you can actually stay relatively recession proof. And so it's about positioning it correctly and about being at the right spot with a right character to the property. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's, it's the old real estate adage, location, location, location. And all, it all comes down to, are you where people want to be, whether they're traveling from some other city to Nashville or whatever city you're doing it in, or even a, a staycation, right? Like I know plenty of, you know, urban cowboys in the middle of East Nashville, I know plenty of people that do staycations there all the time just because it's so cool. It's conveniently located to a lot of restaurants and bars, um, which which makes a lot of sense. So when, when you're looking at these hotel acquisitions, how are these deals typically structured? I mean, are you looking at the investment group comes in, buys the real estate and operates the hotel? Is there an investment group that buys the real estate and then hires an operating manager for the hotel? I mean, how does that typically shake out? I mean, there's several uh, approaches to it. I think it depends on what your property is and what you're aiming for. Like we came in and we operated uh, several properties in Midland, Texas during the oil boom. Those were quality and days in type of properties that fit a certain need that you flagged with a, a larger corporate company that said, hey, these are the criteria expectations that you have for your guests. And, and reasonable and this is what we're going to charge you for that when we approach a deal like you're able to either develop your own opco for your property and operate it yourself the the difficulty is is knowing your room count versus what your staffing level is and so we we create a proprietary business model that says like based on your room count this is how we maximize your revenue versus your room division versus your food and beverage versus your ABR and and develop from there. So your ability, if you're just investing in a property is say, do I want to create my own environment, operate my own property, which can be difficult if you don't know it, or do I want to bring in a flagged brand that maybe can bring me X amount of base revenue and give me a certain criteria, but the payoff is, is I've got to pay a you know, fifty to three hundred thousand dollar base fee to bring them in, and then give them a percentage of my my annual revenue. So the the trade off be, becomes like, what is the property going to become? Who am I positioning it for? And, and what are the abilities I have to be able to do that? Listen, they're all different, um, and I think you have to understand the capabilities of your property and, and of your market. And if you want to talk about what the best markets versus properties are for flagged versus individual ownership. You know, we can do that. It's a very uh, analytical uh, conversation, but suffice to say, if you're in a great metropolitan area, you feel that your designer developer 
you know, there's an ability to create something special. Um, but it's the same thing I'd say for any hospitality investor. You know, I've done TurboTax taxes before. I wouldn't just become a CPA. <laughs> that can be a right. little difficult. And I wouldn't advise any of my friends who have eaten at restaurants or gone to hotels to just operate their own property, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. So, so for those of y'all that aren't, uh, you know, again, familiar with hospitality, a flag is basically a brand um, or a franchise is, is kind of one way to look at it. So if you're doing a La Quinta Inn or maybe a Holiday Inn or a Best Western, those are typically flags, right? So those aren't really, they're not always corporately owned. Um, they will be licensed or franchised out essentially to an operator uh, that will run those hotels. So uh, Jordan, I mean, the, the the market for boutique hotels seems to be absolutely exploding. Um, you know, when when we when you look at the data for the Nashville market, it looks like the boutique hotel sector only takes up about seven percent of the total available rooms, give or take. You may know that statistic better than I do. I think that's pretty close. That's what Andy was saying, um, and that, that's where all the opportunity is. Why do you think that boutique hotels? are in such high demand now? I think it's a multi-layered conversation, but what I would say is like, look, I moved to Nashville from California after COVID. And that is because, you know, this was a plan that was gonna happen a year before. It's the number one tourist market in the US right now. You have over $6.5 billion being spent in tourism here. And almost 80% of that is spent in the rooms division. So. The, the problem that we see uh, in hospitality is, is that the consumer, when you have Airbnb and so many other interesting concepts, you have these design shows, et cetera, et cetera, your consumer is so well educated in what they want and they want an individualized experience. And the branded and flagged hotels, the corporate properties, really are able to develop that experience. If we can take like Irving Cowboy as a model, they're doing something that's very specific to their customer. They seem to know their customer very well and people want that. So if I'm gonna to talk to a real estate investor and talk to them about hospitality, the exit market for boutique hotels is really strong and really high right now because you have a lot of these branded and corporate properties coming in and saying, look, we've realized we cannot create this experience. We've tried it before, it doesn't really work. We'll do properties like the Moxie or something like that. But at the end of the day, they're still a very corporate flagged hotel. So what they're coming in and doing, these Marriott's, these Hilton's and things like that, is they're acquiring these boutique brands that have created this base business, this, this, uh, uh, this aesthetic, this authenticity, and they're now bringing that into their catalog and they're operating their operational standards but those sort of properties. So a lot of these boutique hoteliers are now creating things for these bigger brands to then attract and buy up. Uh, for instance, my friend has done a really great uh, hospitality boutique company called Arrive Hotels. They started out in Palm Springs, then they developed in a lot of tertiary and B-level markets. Then you had Pally House come in and purchase them, which is a much larger LA-based uh, hospitality company because they're all looking for these investments in areas that they don't know that they don't know the consumers the market as well and they're not able to get into those detailed 
boutique experience for their guests. Awesome. Well, hey, if you are joining us live on YouTube and you have any questions for Jordan about his background or the hotel industry or hospitality in general, feel free to drop those in the live chat. I'll be sure to ask him those uh, as they are relevant to our discussion. Um, So, Jordan, what do you think the impact has been on the boutique hotel industry with the arrival of short term rentals and, and this kind of, you know, almost rooms as a service model, as Andy would love to call it? Mm hmm. You know, I, I think that people look at it very differently. I have my own perspective of it. Uh, it's <laughs> you're you're on one side or the other side of it. Uh, coming from a market like Palm Springs, that's a tourism-based market, we've done a lot of studies and 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 a lot of analytics into what that looks like. What we've really found is that you have two different consumers, and and sometimes people try to conflate the two or combine the two. They're not. They really aren't. They're, they're a different consumer base. The person that wants an Airbnb, that wants a hotel, that wants a more personalized, actually, I struggle to say the word personalized, a more private experience, tends to book Airbnb. You also have a lower ADR. You, you have it at the opposite end of the spectrum. You have a lower ADR customer that goes for Airbnb, and then you have a super, super high level of uh, ADR that goes with Airbnb, and that's two things. One of them is they're typically either families or groups of couples that rent a house that they're able to amortize the cost over several rooms, and it's cheaper than doing individual hotel rooms. You typically don't want the hospitality experience with being catered to, room service, amenities, etc. And you also don't mind a cleaning fee, which drives drives me absolutely crazy. But you know what? Like, it's each person their own. It's uh, it's the shipping fee have, of the hospitality industry. It's like just <laughs> just mark it up and include it. Don't. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I look. I hate being nickel and dimed. It's why I do what I do. I try to create errors and rates that are responsible and respectable. But you also have the the opposite end, you know, your your Jay Z's and Beyonce's, if you will, that want their twenty thousand dollar a night, you know, eight bedroom house that they can then bring in their chefs, their security, and that they don't actually have to deal with other guests. You do have right. hotels like Amangari and things like that that deal with those sort of guests and that uh, are able to handle. You know the needs of that you know we did that with horizon you know, we had like donatella versace zach efron's you, you name it we had it there and they were property buyouts and sellouts and it's about how can we accommodate you um but i'm personally not too concerned about how the airbnb really affects the hospitality industry because your your client that's going to do that is really not going to impact your sort of business. They're not going to book your business to begin with. If you're a hotel, it's, it's not an over plethora of Airbnbs. It's, it's a completely different consumer. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're two, two very different travelers. So will you walk us through your, uh, basically a, a mini case study of Verizon, like how you found that deal, what it looked like before you guys got in there. Cause I know that that was a little, uh, it was a little bit different. And then, you know, how you went through the process and, and brought it to market. Look, I, and, and I can talk about a few of them, um, specifically with Verizon. You know, that was a roadside motel, you know, in Palm Springs. 
It's a pretty decent area, um, albeit it was, you know, southeast end of town um, that really hadn't seen that much growth. And everyone told us, well, you can't do high-end luxury there. We had the uh, Parker Palm Springs there that was getting a $350 to $400 rate, which was strong, but it's not, you know, Four Seasons. It's not Amangari rates. But the bone structure was great. It was uh, it was built by William Cody, who is a you know foremost uh, mid-century modernist architect, and, and it had what what was going to be special there. And it was about creating something for the consumer that maybe was already there or maybe wasn't already going. And a lot of times, what you find is that the consumer is already in that marketplace they're just not being catered to so we underwent you know a year and a half renovation of the property and we wanted to go the the biggest and the best with every aspect of it um but you know with a focus on the things that someone can touch so i think that design is a really important aspect when you talk about hospitality investment you know i like to being a storyteller and what we're doing is we're trying to create an environment and your backdrop what we're doing is we're telling you the story that's going to take place that you get to walk into and then be able to write the future chapters going forward and you know i talk to a lot of architects and a lot of other designers and it's hard to really kind of transcribe this but essentially it comes down to if you've done it right if you've created this experience, this ethereal sort of feeling for people, they don't know and they can't really articulate why or what's so special about it. They just know that it feels right. And it's about like not creating those Instagram walls and those individualized like uh, commercial sort of, this is your trap moment. It's about creating something that's special chaotic and cohesive to like the human experience like if you've done that right yeah yes you can do one of those type of properties but i think more importantly if we're looking at this as investments there's an ability to be able to provide something that people want to make magical little moments and to create something that your individual consumer that is coming to your property is really going to resonate Awesome, man. Well, obviously, we are working on a hotel here in Nashville. Um, so without diving into numbers, because obviously, we can't disclose any of that information. Will you talk about what drew us to that site? And kind of your design process around that and, and what that's going to look like? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be the worst hotel I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm really excited about that. Can't wait. No, actually, I, I, I feel really excited. I haven't felt as excited about a property like this in quite some time. Um, you know, one of my favorite properties I did was the National Exchange Hotel. It was the oldest hotel west of the Mississippi. You know, it was an 1800s brick building that was done during the gold rush of California. And wow. what that had was individualized charm, history, and experience. So when, when I saw this property, I thought, man, this has got all those elements, but it's different. You know, it was built in the 1800s. It's this brick 
Victorian structure. It was a Civil War hospital at one point. So it served like its historical purpose to this community in these towns. And it's got these elements that you cannot create elsewhere. In fact, like if you look at the hotels in Nashville, and I'm sorry, look, I am biased. I get it. <laughs> but if you look at the hotels here, you've got Broadway, you've got, you know, you've got some interesting properties, but what they all are are the high rises downtown, you know, washed in the whole scene of what is, I, I like to consider the fake Nashville. What we're trying to do is yeah. create a property with grounds that you can stroll around that, that when you come to Nashville, you get that experience that you were thinking of, that you expected. And we're creating all those individualized moments for you. You know, we have a, a pool scene but we have places you can walk to and, you know, engage with different guests. You know, we're not having uh, the TVs in room. We'll have high speed internet. So you can, it's like a choose your own adventure novel. We're going to have our board games. We're going to have your ability to interact with other guests. We're going to have communal dinner that locals and tourists alike can come and engage with each other and find out what's special about the neighborhood or their town or tell stories about where they've been. And this one, I think, especially is going to be that, that ranch, that ethereal and, you know, expected experience of Nashville, you know, manifested here in the city is going to be where, you know, you would only think that you'd get out in the rolling hills of like leaper sport. So I, I'm really excited to unveil that and kind of show what it is that we can do with properties that maybe have been forgotten for a long time, but really need to be brought back to the glory that they had. Yeah. I'm really excited uh, about this project just because of what you have, have helped design with it. Right. I mean, it'll be one of the most unique boutique hotels in Nashville, just because of the fact that it, it sits on a, a decent amount of land and it's only 10 minutes from downtown, but you've, you've created almost this, this resort, this, uh, retreat, uh, vibe with it, which is really cool. And, and there's nothing like that, um, really in Nashville. So, uh, well, you know, usually I, you I'm have to go. You said that because I, I am glad you said that because, you know, coming from like, the resorts of Southern California and um, Palm Springs. It's not about being a carpet bagger, but it's about being like, how do we take that resort philosophy and apply yeah. it to the, the, the Southern hospitality experience and marry the two. And I think that's a really beautiful marriage because coming out here, I met so many beautiful people and experienced so many wonderful things. Now, if we can take that expectation of what that, that farm and rolling hill experience is and, and marry that with a resort uh, of Southern California. I, I think that's going to be fun for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to dive into that and, 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 and work on this project. So just as uh, as parting advice for anybody that's watching that is interested in, in buying and, and maybe operating a hotel, I mean, what, you know, what advice would you give to them as they embark on that journey? You know, I think that it's um, it's a very individualized um, investment opportunity. We're always around. If you if you need to feel free to shoot us questions, we're we're happy to do that. But 
at the end of the day, it comes down to, is this, you know, um, something that I'm able to handle on my own or do I need management experience with it? And what we've developed essentially is like a proprietary business model to oversee room count versus operations. And so what I would say is understand what your market is, you know, what room versus what your labor is. Because in hospitality, uh, one of your biggest sucks, one of your biggest sinkers is going to be your labor. Same thing with, with restaurants as well. It's a variable that's going to go up and down based upon state, based upon county, uh, and based upon availability. So my, I guess my advice is, is if you're going to start off, start off in a property that maybe you're able to handle. Uh, if not, I'd probably seek uh, outside management for your properties or flag them. Um, that is not to say that you can't create an individualized experience for your property, but understand your labor versus your room key trade-off. So that will be your biggest uh, hurdle to, to approach a uh, hospitality investment. That's wonderful, Jordan. Well, if anybody has any questions about maybe they want to talk to you about consulting on a hospitality project or maybe they want to bring you a hotel opportunity, what is the best way for someone to get a hold of you? I can be reached at uh, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at investwithhamilton.com. Or you can just give me a high five on Instagram at Charlie Potatoes. Um, by the way, let me just, <laughs> That's the let, way to do it. Let me just Charlie Potatoes. Let, let me just approach this before you ask me that. Charlie Potatoes is a 1930s slang for someone that thinks they're cool, but they're not. Um, and I know we're all doing business on Instagram these days. Um, so self-aware. So, <laughs> at the very least, you know we're humble, right? <laughs> I love that. So at Charlie Potatoes. Um, hey, Jordan, we do have a question for you. This is from MSRK. Given what you know now, what steps would you recommend to yourself if you are starting from scratch today? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that what it would be, I guess it depends on where you're aiming to uh, end up in your hospitality career. What I thought was the most valuable thing for me was when I was in uh, entertainment, I went and staged in kitchens like uh, David Chang's Momofuku, and I learned what it was like to be a line cook, what, it, what food costs were, how to put together a meal. And then I went like step up to step up in every uh, office and every position in hospitality. I don't think you can manage from top down if you don't understand the positions. Uh, it's very different from being a real estate investor to being a hospitality operator. And I think that you really need to understand what all of these individualized positions need to do, how they affect your overall operations, and what the spend needs to be in those specific areas. So. I guess what I would say is is immerse yourself wherever you can. If you're able to do it in management, that's great. But spend as much time as you can in housekeeping, in food and beverage, in some of the areas that you might not think are important, but those are the areas that are really going to take you down at the end of the day if you don't understand drastically. I love that advice because people ask me how to get into commercial real estate development all the time. 
And they're like, should I just go find a project and figure it out? And it's, no, you absolutely should not do that. <laughs> because think about how many pieces go into a, you know, a commercial real estate development that you don't understand. It's like, no, just go start off as a broker or start off as an architect, start off as an engineer, start off in construction, go work for a developer. Because then you really learn how everything, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an orchestra, right? Like you have to learn, like maybe you play first violin, but you got to know how the drums are, are being played as well because y'all are playing in harmony, right? And so it, you have to know how all of those pieces fit together uh, in order to, to properly, um, properly pull that off. It's invaluable information. You know, I, I mean, I don't think that I would be where I'm at in my career without having done all of that. Like I've built individual properties I've, I'm on the job sites. I live in my hotels as construction sites until they're completed. And then I'm there, you know, 24 hours a day. What, what I've done before is uh, I've been there if my night owner doesn't show up and I'm doing, you know, development on the property during the day, then I show up at the front desk at 10 p.m. and I operate until 7 a.m. until the, the front desk comes in. It's about knowing every aspect of that. And I think that we're, experts at this point it, it takes a long long time to get there but you only get there in knowing that and, and and going through those experiences but that's i feel like all the individual experiences combined together is what makes you know a, a great hospitality uh or hotelier and i guess the last thing i would say about that is if you really want to do it and if you want to do it right what I tell all of my staff is at the end of the day, we're hosts. That's what we are. If you're not a host, if that's not something that you're ever interested in, if you're not the type of person that wants to take in and care for another person, it's a tough industry to be in because that's what we're doing. We're, we're there for people when, when they need us. And it's about creating those experiences for them based upon where they're at in their moments. That's great advice, man. That's great. Well, Jordan, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your insights on, on hotels and hospitality. Uh, we can debate the hotelier versus hotelier uh, <laughs> differences there. I love that. I'm an old Southern boy, and you're actually uh, world-class. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go with hotelier. Uh, but appreciate you coming on, man. Um, for everybody else that's joining Sorry that we didn't do this yesterday. I know that we usually do these Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard. Uh, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, but we will be back Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. Central Standard next week uh, with another interview. And we will see you guys then. Bye.